from the trenches. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to From the Trenches, real life in the accounting industry. My name is David Boyer from SQL CFO, joined here with Paul Meisner in his t-shirt from Freedom Mentoring and Five Ways Group. We are brought to you by BGL, Australia's number one corporate compliance and superannuation software and sponsors of Coming Up, Paul, this week's start of financial year party. Welcome back, everyone. Absolutely. Looking forward to kicking off a, a end of a start of financial year. Uh, hello to all. Hello, listeners. Uh, massive week, obviously, end of financial year here in Australia. The rest of the world doesn't sort of understand it, but I think you can uh, assume that it's very similar to the same end of tax time as everywhere else. Start of financial year. Here's why we're doing a start of financial year party. First of all, you may have noticed we're a little bit contrarian. But also, we're pretty busy the week before the end of financial year. But I kind of like the idea of celebrating the start of something rather than the end of something. And I'm convinced that our clients care more about December year end than June year end. So we're doing a start of financial year party. It's uh, this Wednesday night. It's at Judo Capital. So the blokes from Judo who have sponsored the lunches that many of you have been to, and we're still running those lunches, uh, we're going to be in their offices in South Bank in Melbourne. Get your tickets. Uh, we'll send them out another in an email or on our socials. We'll see you at the start of financial year party. Paul? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Now, listeners, we've, we've, we're having some internal debate with the structure of the episodes. I believe... I've been bullied. You have been bullied for once. I've, I've, I may have gotten my own way for about five seconds. So what we're going to do, normally we have, normally the in-depth topic is at the end of each episode. And the episodes do tend to running about 30 to 40 minutes now. What, what I want to do this week, I want to start it, but I need your help, listeners. If you are listening and you are hearing this. And you want to prove David wrong. And everyone wants to prove you wrong, I think, David. No. My grand plan, listeners, is to split up the episodes to have a a Monday release of the best and worst on ground uh, and then, say, a Wednesday release of the in-depth topic. I find sometimes the in-depth topic is stuck at the end and when we put it on socials, there's some real uh, value and some really deep topics like today's topic, listeners, that we want to separate out. So we're going to jump them as two episodes. Please tweet us, comment us on LinkedIn, uh, and let us know whether or not you think it is a good idea. I also idea. think a whole lot of you are lazy when you see that we've got a show for 40 minutes. You think that's too hard, not doing that. So you're going to have two different short shows this week. Two shows at 20 minutes. And, and, and I wanted to really break out this topic, David, because I had uh, one of my clients unfortunately had a, a bookkeeper who had turned herself in to the police for ripping off money from her subsequent employer and we're talking fraud. We're talking fraud, and and I just I wanted to split that in a separate talking episode, fraud, so listen to that. Talk. But David, well, lots of I feel like I haven't seen you for weeks. So did we release a show last week. I don't think we did. Sorry, listeners. But best on ground, we got heaps. Let's go. Come on, run through it. Let's go. Well, am I starting? Why not? We promote the wrong people, Paul. Accountants inherently promote the wrong people. Great post by Nathan Watt on LinkedIn. Been writing a bit on LinkedIn. This is the first time he's made a best on ground on the show. Congratulations, Waddy. I think we've met at ZeroCon once. He's just put a little post up. How most professional service firms were. Company. Hey, staff member, you're a great tech. Do you want to read this one for one? Have you got it up in front of you? I'll be, I'll be the... You just read it. Oh, but we, let's do it like All a duo. Right. I'll be the company. Hey, staff member, you're a great technician. We want to promote you. Sweet dollars. Uh, what do I do in my new role? More and interesting and challenging technical work? Less. 
a lot less technical work and more managing people. But I have no experience or education in managing people. Be a great technician. Fair enough, David. And I don't think uh, I'm out of character now, listeners. Um, the uh, I gave that role three dimensions, David, just for the listeners. Um, I, I don't think this Variety is just... Variety magazine call I, it a breakout performance. I don't think this is just You'll go from off, 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 off Broadway to off, off, off yeah, Broadway. I think I just got kicked off Broadway. Um, I don't think... I think this happens a lot in business. I think this particularly happens in people who run their own business. Yeah, because you just like the person who's there. It's the devil you know, not the devil that you don't know. And honestly, how do you manage somebody whose job is to manage people. It's such a new... We just don't think like this. This Fundamentally, the problem of this is that accountants don't think like business owners. We think like firms still. I think think this happens. Promoting people for the quality of their technical work and then making them manage is a problem in every single business. I think... David. How do you fix it? I think you promote on skills for the role, not... You know, you, you pay by performance, but you promote via skills for the job description. I look forward. At wow. the, yeah, I know you seem very impressed with yourself. Where did that come from? I look forward to seeing performance people and management skills going into the CPA, CA and IPA accreditation programs. Oof, fair enough. Next okay. cast on ground for me, uh, Trent Innes, ladies and gentlemen, despite what you've heard, the he's head of Asia, country manager of Australia, Trent Innes from Zero is not moving to Myob. You may have heard the rumours. Trent put a tweet up. LinkedIn, you know, and you go on LinkedIn in the top right-hand corner says, you might be interested in jobs out. He got Myob. Uh, with that AI, David, I, I, it's hard to see that, that, uh, that you know, I, I'm, I'm just going just gonna to quit my job now, apparently. The robots are coming. They, uh, yeah, they want the... I get them all the time on LinkedIn. All of those, uh, you know, here's where you should. It's just, it, it's not, it's not obviously. I'm still waiting sm- for my offer to get a job at Freedom Mentoring. Apparently, right. Swinburne University is hiring on my LinkedIn as we're talking. They might so be. I, You'd I be good, be, good fit for. Despite Swinburne none of University. my, uh, none of my employment ever being. I in. met the dean of Swinburne once. Had a massive digger for not producing job ready candidates. Didn't go down too well. Yeah, couldn't imagine it would. Anyway, I think LinkedIn uh, do that quite a bit. Uh, my best on ground, uh, another addition, another chapter, David, to my Swedish robot story. This is a firm out of Sweden. Acum- Haven't you heard my Swedish robot story? I love my Swedish you, robot story. And then bars. the, the Acumenica team, uh, I presume, uh, they like it as well. They have they have reached out. Um, this is a uh, Marcus from, who is the general manager from Acumenica, I think is how you pronounce it. Anyway, he wrote an article for Accounting Web talking about Talking about self-learning now. Now, very quickly, listeners, for the for my Swedish robot story, and this is the this is the pun. This is why I think this is the greatest piece of innovation I have seen in accounting in I reckon seven or eight years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And this is the reason. And in the article, he talks about it in a Netflix sense. But for me, everyone who's using data is trying to use all of the data. Now, in terms of coding transactions, what this, what this system does is it's a binary system. It learns off people and it teaches people. So what you do is when, when you tell it that it's got someone who they should be learning off, i.e. a senior person, that's when the robot or program is in learn mode. Then you give it to people who are doing It's also coding. where it can pick up the biases of that person. Exactly. Whereas you, you look at the bigger software companies who are going, we're just learning from everyone. You know, anyone who's ever coded a transaction, we're taking that data as valid data. So it's this, it's this concept of 
um, you know, a self-learning robot where you tell the robot where to learn off. The, the Netflix analogy he uses in the article is quite interesting. So if you get, say, the, the recommendations on Netflix is based on what you watch from like-minded people. It's not based on everybody. So it's not like Netflix is going, well, here's what everybody watched and we're just going to pick the most popular and give it to you. They really... It does feel like that sometimes. No, clearly. But but this is what it does where it basically can learn off the people it wants to learn off. I, uh, I, I'm, in, I'm in love with the Swedish robot, uh, David. I, I, Don't tell Mel. It is the... <laughs> yes, try not to, I think. She <laughs> doesn't, doesn't listen. Doesn't listen. <laughs> doesn't attend the parties. It's all good. I can say what I want. Um, uh, hello, darling, obviously. Uh, not that she listens, but that's fine. Um <laughs> Uh, my next one, just a very interesting, this is sort of an old article, but um, came out from Business Insider, uh, just talking about the one million empty homes. Uh, this came out of the 2017 census, uh, just saying that over 11% of uh, houses in Australia are unoccupied, uh, were on census night, obviously. Um, uh, we often hear the the stories about uh, Chinese families, particularly in Melbourne, uh, buying up property despite not being here, an effort to get uh, money and funds out of the country. But but also, you know, I think we're more and more seeing uh, houses that are being uh, on Airbnb and used for that sense. 11%, David, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but 11% just seemed an awful lot of houses to me. Obviously, there's some that are being developed and, and, and whatever. I don't know when things are in construction. But it just seemed an awful lot to me, David, when there is otherwise there needs to be a house shortage. So did, did it seem high to you? It did, but I also didn't have a number that I was expecting. So it was a bit – I didn't have a reference point. And the, article says, and the article says that it's um, uh, pretty consistent across censuses, so it's not like it's a growing problem. Since I. Well, there's multiple of them. Censuses. So does that end up driving up the, the, the property prices because it reduces well, supply? Yeah, absolutely. You would imagine. Uh, and and so and this is interesting. So it's uh, sorry, not driving up because it's been consistent. So keeping it up is yeah, I suppose. And it's and so even if it's a rental, that's counted as an occupied house. So these are just mm. like absolutely vacant. Interesting. A lot, I would imagine, in the Docklands area, David, Gee, which is we, where we're coming yeah, from. we're in um, beautiful Docklands uh, Public Library. Yeah, it's great up here. Righto. Few like a couple of years ago, your website got copied. Like At exactly, word for word, including my LinkedIn link. That linked to my LinkedIn profile. I don't know if that's good or bad for your SEO no. ratings. Anyway, it's a pandemic, Paul. There's plenty of accounts that are having their websites copied. I don't go on Facebook that much anymore, but I'm part of a group called Small Business Accountants and Advisors Brain Trust Australia, 1,100 members. I'm not 100% sure who runs it. It's not Heather Smith's group. I know that. I'm not in the group, so um, that's right. Anyway, Alex Electra Frost uh, said that the, somebody's copied her website. She's put up her website and she's put up the copied website and it is unbelievably the same. What's more interesting is that accountants then started um, going down saying, yeah, me too. So it's a thing. It was a big – mine was, yeah, mine was from the U- – copied out from the UK. But, uh, no, a lot of uh, websites looking remarkably the same, David. Is it part of it, though, that accountants – aren't really good at explaining what they do and differentiating themselves to the website builder or the marketer. And so the marketer goes online and says, well, well, they just do the same as what my accountant does, so maybe there isn't that much difference. Like do we make it hard for the marketers or the website builders to make us stand out because we can't present ourselves well? 
I think I, I, I think, it's, I think websites are largely uh, useless in uh, as long as you've got one. I don't think <laughs> it's really important. No, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest and I'll tell you why. So I think that be, especially for small accounting firms, I would say most of the web traffic is either people who are having a sticky beak and trying to compete with you or trying to sell you, in which case who cares what it looks like. And secondly, people who are what I would otherwise say pre um, uh, uh, pre-authorised, pre-checked, pre-sold. So it's saying, hey, this is my accountant, check them out. Hey, they've, they've heard about you, they're already there. As long as it doesn't look totally hopeless, I don't reckon there's people who have got five different accounting websites and they're looking at them at the same time. I think for a small firms, it's when your client or your um, prospective client goes to just make sure you exist, check your prices, check who you are and get out. So I don't actually think it matters. Does you um, Wayne copying Sh- is flattery? I reckon Wayne Schmidt's part of freedom mentoring. Don't you help people with their websites in, in that? Is that what happens? I don't even know. I'm actually uh, asking. Well, no, we t- we talk to them about what the uh, the needs are and right. and to keep it simple, really, and and keep it simple and and say something about yourself. Like I think largely less is more, and I think the trend for people who sell websites, arguably about the trend about what people selling a lot of things, is they try to have to go more justifies the value rather than actually less but make it higher quality. We're getting into a different episode there, David, though, I think. My other worst on ground, the big four, Paul. Oh, right. Oh, God, that's right, yeah. They're big cheats. Big, big cheats. They've cheated. No. And are not a good thing, Paul. In fact, exactly the sort of thing that helps erode public trust in accounting, which is not good for the globe. Uh, KPMG got fined $50 million for cheating on something called the PCAOB exams. That is the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board exam. They were taking screenshots of questions and sharing it with their partners, getting other people to log in and do the tests for them. I think this is sort of like a quality, it's the American version of the reviews that we get here. Um, so they were cheating. And, and when you actually read the article of what they were doing, um, and I think it's – is it Gateway now? They've put a Gateway on it accounting no, no, today. No, no. I, I could look, click on it beforehand. Um, so they were taking screenshots and sharing them, getting other people to log in, doing it late. They, I think it even suggested that they stole information from the PCAOB that sort of said when the inspections were coming. It's like really – Lurid cartel behaviour. It's really it's, bad behaviour. It's the big end of but town. It's a Fifty million dollar fine. Like that's not insignificant. And you, when I, when we put this in there, you said I'd love to see what would happen to a small firm if they did this. Well, first of all, small firms don't have the resources to steal information off government institutions. I don't think I could be proven wrong if you know how to do it. Actually, I don't want anything. Don't let me know. Don't get in touch. But fifty <laughs> mils a decent fine, even for KPMG. Uh, and and uh, given the quantity of the fine, you got you got to say like you got to say like there's there's some decent they've found some. This isn't just one person who got caught once. This no, sounds this like sort of Essendon drug scandals type systemic stuff. and uh, and yeah, long long standing because that is a massive uh, that is a massive fine. Uh, one more, one more go. I got, th- I got a lot of worse this week, Paul. That's why we have to split the a episode. Lot of people David. are letting me down. Tell you who's let me down as well. The directors of Blue Sky. Listeners might know Blue Sky, a big fund manager that was very prolific um, uh, in the press, darlings of Collins and what's the Collins Street in Sydney? Pitt Street? George? Whatever it is, it's very hard to get around. I know that for sure. Uh, they built the tram. Oh, the trams are working in Sydney. Well, they're not working, but you can cross the street. 
It changes. It's really nice. Anyway, I'm actually going to read this out because you can't make it up. Directors of fallen fund manager Blue Sky have claimed they were blindsided when its big financier Oak Tree Capital Management sent in receivers. How does a board of directors, I'm not going to call them liars, but how do you not know when your biggest creditor, and it's a structured debt creditor, these are sophisticated creditors, how do you not know that they're about to call in receivers from you? Like this stuff doesn't just happen. It escalates and it escalates slowly and you're usually heavily engaged in conversations and you're usually threatened for a very long time and I just find it baffling that directors could let this happen and it's not a good sign. I mean, I think that those of us who advise on duties of directors and and many of us sit as directors for some of our clients, um, shadow directorship's a problem I actually think shadow directorship is is a future risk as more and more of us get into the advisory stuff. Put um, a pin in that. Oh, I don't disagree with that. I reckon that's a future episode. It, it's in our franchise operations guide. We've got a list of here's, here's what shadow directorship is. We refer back to ASIC documents so you understand it and we try to, try to create awareness about it and here's some tips to make sure that you're not doing it. A big one is not getting involved in value transfers but uh, of cash. It's just amazing that really sophisticated people could, could get that wrong, Paul. That shouldn't be a surprise to any director um, that you've got that kind of debt, that it's overdue, that it's and that you haven't managed it. I, I think that's uh, that's risk management one hundred and one. They're in uh, shock. There is that. That is not. There are a lot of things in the world that should surprise you, but uh, being having someone almost beating Collingwood last week surprised me, Paul. Yeah, I was. I wasn't going to bring it up, David. I wasn't. We we, we played. We played ugly. We played ugly. Uh, AFL forward. for those listening from around the globe. Our, our I'm going to call it our national sport. Um, well, if you're listening, national... but if you're listening in England, our national sport's definitely cricket. Oh, it is. Well, yeah. <laughs> Hello to the Poms. You know, small, any chance? Uh, small thing. We'll, we'll give you the recipe for how to use uh, the, the the handbook on how to use sandpaper. Um, that is an in joke that cricketers will get. Anyway, uh, very interesting. Uh, but yes, Collingwood did win. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, get to do things like this when we break up the show. We've got a bit of time. We've got a bit of time. No, we're going to keep. Interests. We're going to keep moving because I got man. I Your worst on grounds. Got, oh god, where do I start? I don't know. I haven't clicked on it yet. <laughs> That's how this show show rolls. Uh, we have uh, age article. The uh, Craig Butt, the the data driven journalist. I knew it, Paul. I miss not doing a show last week. I no, need I, this. I actually. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> You better come. I, I miss it. I do. I miss it. I miss you too. Uh, what was I going to say? Yes. Yeah, so Craig Butt, uh, and the Age journalist, calls him calls himself, or he, his title is the a data driven journalist, has written an article analysing the tax data. David, as as listeners will know, I love getting my head in a bit of tax oh, data. I have tax it, data in the. I press. have it in my favourites on uh, on Excel. Break it down in in multi uh, different ways. How a millionaire pays no tax, David. As if the uh, as if hitting on rich people and paying no tax didn't. Uh, I thought we we got over that after the stunning election loss by the Labor Party, who tried to highlight this. Craig Butt, look, I, I love what he's trying to do here. What he basically said was he tried to take the 70 people who had incomes over a million dollars who ended up with paying no income tax, having income taxable, total income above a million, taxable income less than our tax threshold of 18000 Apart from just the sheer fact that he tries to say that uh, the person could have claimed twice the allowable limit for super contributions... We'll let that because he's a data-driven journalist, not a tax-driven journalist. My problem here, David, is he's broken down the the data. Now, if you break down the data and you're trying to explain a concept, uh, 
Don't you start in a general order of your flow. You start with the biggest reason, the biggest uh, driving factor in terms of the data, and you go to the smallest driving data. So he's created a fictitious person called Tony, sent to rec- uh, represent these people. The first, you know, oh, how does he do it? How do these millionaires do it? They do it through deductions, David. And the first deduction he claims, he in order of sequence, is a $15,000 loss on a million of income. You have to scroll all the way down to get to gifts and donations, which is left all the way to the end of the article, whether or not anyone gets down there. And this is, oh, yeah, but oh, he also, uh, he's given $850,000. So, like, he's tried to put all of the hot-button topics, work-related deductions, uh, spending on accountants, all of the all of the things that are going to make the editor go, oh, yeah, oh, they're all our hot-button, that's clickbait, left the actual reason to the bottom. Anyway, for me, David, anyone who wants to call themselves data-driven needs to be true to the data. I think, Paul, that you read this article and got as animated as you just did and you didn't read the comments because, well, ladies I and gentlemen, the comments. I sit don't down. The comments. This is brilliant. Rudolf Latisensky says, so he's a great guy. He gives to charity and adheres to all laws. Good on him. The uh, people have largely slammed this. Uh, Tahoe, this article is nonsense. Tom, as many have said, this is a ridiculous article. This is brilliant. Uh, Sean, who did he make the $850,000 donation to? His mate's charity? That's not 100% how it works. Uh, How can you say... uh, Oh, idiocracy is here. 850 grand donation sounds like utter nonsense even for a fictional millionaire. Idiocracy is a great movie where... The idiots breed and the, the, the but smart it people don't. Actually, wasn't uh, that that was they were true to the data. Like I, I'm not saying he hasn't used the data. I'm just saying the way he's put together the story was designed to, for a narrative of tax avoidance rather than what it truly was. The, the average deduction, David, of these seventy people who earn a million dollars each, hundred and fifty nine million dollars worth of tax deductions, that was the, all, the total of all 70 of them, to charity. That is like, and, and charities in this country have to be listed, they have to, whether or not they oh, do yeah. their job, but, oh, mate. What like, a stupid article. Won't be wasting my time reading anything written by Craig again. That's from WD. That's a bit harsh. That's a bit harsh even for Royal me. Purick, have to agree. Anyway, They're probably all sole well, traders with a turnover of greater than a million dollars. I don't well, think that's right. And, and my second worst on ground, I do want to get it because otherwise uh, this will drag on. I'm trying to cut through it, is... This is great, Axis. Uh, Paul, this is too good. I, I, I'm sorry. I know, I know. But we, I haven't, we could get lost all no, day in the this comments. No, this is Axis. I haven't paid tax for the last decade because I accidentally had a divorce and accidentally lost a business and decided that a tax-free life was much sweeter than working like a slave. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Go on, yeah, Axis. The comment section, it is, it is a, a treasure trove. Uh, but this, there's another, my second worst on ground, David, is by benchmarking.com. This was a, an, a, how they got in the AFR, dead set. The, the Good PR. The, who who with, did you use? That had to have been, I mean, I don't know. If there wasn't money changing hands, it's disappointing because it, it should be harder to get into the AFR than, uh, than this mob. The, I'm sure that'll increase your chances. Yeah, well, true. The um, the interesting thing here, David, is, and this is where the industry has a really interesting time when people try to use data. I have no problem with the data. Like, the data is gold. It's how people apply it. You know, not dissimilar to that AFR article about using the data and then 
the way you talk about it creates an entirely different narrative. And obviously, um, and also, as has happened in this report, uh, benchmarking the silent silent disruption of the accounting industry. Well, I tell you. Uh, if you're in it, it's if, not if silent. If you're in it, there's, anyone who's marketing to it is certainly nothing but silent. Uh, sorry, nothing except, uh, nothing close to silent. Um, these guys have just cherry-picked the most ridiculous amount of data. Uh, really, it's almost as if they've just gone, our narrative is fear and disruption. Uh, let's just pick the data that we're, that is going to support it, including digging up a 2015 Deloitte report uh, about disruption. Like Dead said, if you have to pick up a report in the fastest changing, while you're talking about the fastest changing role world of innovation and you're pulling a 2015, that's like baby years. Uh, that's back to the birth of, of digital adoption, I reckon, David. What do you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well done, mate. Well done. Well, something just happened, Paul. We just sold 20 tickets to the start of financial year party. 20 just today? Like in the last five minutes. Oh, get a, get a, get your tickets fast. Look forward to seeing everyone there. Um, look, basically... This... Well, you shouldn't be quoting 2015. It's too old. It, it is It is absolutely and, and too also, old. And also, on that particular topic... More research has been done since then, and, and I, this is even this is even funnier. Their first piece of data, so their headline is the silent disruption. Their first piece of data is, oh well, the number of tax returns being lodged has gone up consistently. The number of lodged uh, uh, returns by an agent has gone up consistently. Oh, but wait, oh apparently it's going to all fall off the cliff because some uh, you, so, future prediction so there's a very Ouija board is saying that you, the disruption's you, happening. I've been oh, told that for 10 years, David. I'm sick of it. it is, well, it is happening. You are one of the few people I know who refuses to accept that there is any price pressure on compliance fees and that all your clients want is compliance. I don't believe I've ever said that. I've, I've never said that that's not all they want. I've said that that's all they will pay for. But isn't that as much a reflection on the way you market, position and brand yourself? Um, uh, it, that's interesting. I, I, have, I have sold it. I have offered it and I, some would say I am not bad at pitching certain ideas. I have pitched management meetings and KPIs and all this sort of stuff to every client in nine years, less than 1% have taken them up. I, I think that... So I'm doing a lot of work at the moment and I've interviewed a lot of accounts for Project Outsider Trenches. I'm not going to say yet, Paul, because we'll plug it when we want to plug it. And I've spoken about 15 accountants over the last month and even the traditional – some of the traditional firms – I think everybody's trying to move up the value chain to do more than just form filling. I really think that the just form filling days – I don't think anyone's form filled. I think plenty are. I think the average high street accountant does. I think that is what the average high street accountant does. And then when something happens, the person calls, the client calls the accountant after it's happened. I think that is a huge proportion of accountants. And we wouldn't know them, Paul, because we don't hang out with those guys. Is your dad a form filler? Your dad, I would say, most is an average dad, accountant? Most, most of dad's work is audit work. So, but literally, yes, because that's, and, and we're not talking about audit services here. Yeah, that's, is. Anyway, that's an interesting discussion. We'll uh, we move on to that. But um, anyway, I just think this this concept of disruption is uh, is overrated. I'm <laughs> sick of it. I'm just sick of it. You know what, listeners? If you want to, Paul and I will do a great debate because I reckon we we could get very feisty with this. We'll get in a moderator. 
I reckon we. I reckon we should. I reckon we absolutely. Uh, if you want to have a moderator to moderate Paul and I on where disruption sits, if you want to be the moderator, oh, taking offers. If you want to sit in one of the seats, if you want to take a side, I'll take grab a, a side. Mic. It's like proper debating. Why not? We what should. was what was the last person called the in debating? They got a title, captain, isn't it? No, that's the first person. Also, the biggest nerd. <laughs> That was their official title. Oh, we're captain. The, business, the biggest net. <laughs> All right, Paul, we're just under, Last, we're, we're under half an hour. Oh, we've got, you've got another one. I've got one more quick one. I, I, I can't remember the name of the email list, but CBA have reached out to one of these companies that puts together email lists for accountants. The And I got an email from CBA promoting a report which was the future of accounting or something, you know, like uh, disruption in the profession, um, which I don't even have time to cover itself. But their report was based on an interview with 37 firms, David. They were painting the whole industry, judging by 37 firms, 21 of whom were small, just such a ridiculously small uh, sample size. One of the points was marketing and in this email to me, David, was hello, Insert name. Uh oh, they didn't clean the data, Paul. And I we no haven't we haven't had an email muck up like that since uh, our our old mate Rob Nixon uh, CC'd everyone instead of BC. We did it everyone. once. I think to, so. If you're on the from the trenches email list, I think did we, we stuffed that. You once, did not but, me. Oh well. You know we don't put That's ourselves right. out there That's to be right geniuses at this stuff. Not good. Right, listeners, we're gonna we're gonna stop it, it there. Please press play in the next episode. The next episode will drop. Keep rolling. Uh, if you do like the us uh, splitting out the uh, in depth into a separate episode, please let us know. If you don't, if you prefer that your car trip, train trip, whatever is forty minutes long, and you miss having the in depth at the end of this episode, also let us know. Otherwise. Uh, have an awesome week and we will bring you our show from our start of the financial year party uh, next week. Cheers. Thanks again for listening to an episode of From the Trenches. David and I love to hear from listeners so you can reach out if you've got feedback or story ideas, get in touch. I can be reached on Twitter at Paul Meissner underscore, or on LinkedIn, Paul Meissner. I'm on Twitter at David Boyar, B-O-Y-A-R, on LinkedIn, David Boyar. From the Trenches.